We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 56. Scott, last week you said 55, Hideki Matsui. I liked uh, what you did there, so I looked up who is number 56 on the Yankees. So this is the Scott Proctor circa 2004 episode. His arm is still hurting from Joe Torre's use of him, but uh, this is episode 56. My name is Andrew Rotondi. You can get me on Twitter at Yankees underscore talk. Scott Reinen, as always, is with us at Scott Reinen, and definitely follow the show at Bronx Pinstripes on Twitter and BronxPinstripes.com. Scott, what's up? That's a perfect number. Scott Proctor is perfect because I started lifting again. I got back in the gym last week, and my arm is killing me. Absolutely killing me. So I feel Scott Proctor's pain right now, literally. <laughs> yeah, so you haven't worked out in a while, so so you're definitely feeling pretty sore, pretty weak, right? Yeah, well, actually, I don't think much of my strength went away that much because I would do like just little stuff, you know, to kind of keep strength in the muscles, but it's definitely not where it was. And so when you start lifting and adding more weight rather than doing just body weight stuff, then yeah, you start feeling it. So my chest and my shoulders are uh, are definitely super tight right now. And but I'm looking forward to it. I tell you what, man, just even a couple days back in, it just feels so good. So I'm excited to get back. You don't feel like a piece of crap anymore. I don't feel like a lazy piece of crap anymore. I feel good. Well, that's good. Which is which is a good thing. Once you start, once you start going in the gym, it's, it's and you stop. Um, 
you start your body starts to feel bad the other way around. Yeah, I know, I know. So I think the biggest thing for me was I used to go, I used to work out with my brother-in-law in the mornings. Like every morning we had a, a gym in his garage and we would just, we would go at it every single morning. And then that kind of fell off. I don't remember like work that started getting in the way with meeting early meetings and things. And then we just kind of fell off. And then I was like, oh, it's okay. I have a gym membership. I'm just going to go in the afternoon or whenever. And it just never happens because if you don't, for me at least, if I don't go in the morning, I find any excuse possible or I find like every single thing to do but go to the gym during the day. So now I'm just, I'm getting up early and going in the morning and knocking it out. I'm an, I'm an evening gym guy after work. You sweat out all those toxins for the, from the day. Yeah, when I go I in the morning, I feel like I'm sleepwalking. Yeah, it wakes me up. I, I, I like getting an early start to the day. So that's uh. That's it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue it, and hopefully this thing, hopefully I, I did it after the the push of New Year's for all the people at the gym. So now I feel like I joined after the, all the people that failed. So I feel like it's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the people that are there are the really are the ones that that are are dedicated to working out, and that kind of motivates me as well. That's there's a there's a business idea there. Starting the gym after all the people quit the gym after the from 18th? their New Year's resolution. Yeah, after the 18th of January. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we've been plugging it for a couple of weeks now, but we've got featured columns starting next week, which is the week of pitchers and catchers. So definitely look out for that. Uh, president's week. So, uh, probably have Monday off. You'll be able to read, um, bronxpinstripes.com all day. And there'll be a lot of great content on the website starting next. There's already great content, but, uh, new content, uh, daily, uh, on the site next week. Yep. And Adam, will be, Adam will be kicking it off on Monday. So I've got to, Figure out what I'm going to write about. I've got a, a week and a half to, to start planning. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, and today, you're listening to this on Tuesday. The Fan Shop is opening the new and improved Fan Shop. And the Meet Me at the Bat shirt, which is awesome. Scott, I love the design. So great thank you, thank job. You. Great job Appreciate there. That. that is also on pre-sale today. So definitely order that shirt. Rock it at Yankee Stadium. And uh, should be good. There are a lot of other great shirts in there as well. Yeah, so I, I did a, a redesign of the fan shop to just give it a little bit more, a little bit more stuff going on there. There's going to be a lot more shirts added too. I'm probably going to start adding them once every week, every other week. I mean, we have a, a lot of designs that are in the hopper right now. And then meet me at the bat today is on sale. The presale has started. We're going to run a seven day presale in the beginning and and get these get these shirts out. So yeah, I'm pumped up uh, about that. And I know a lot of people are excited to get this to get uh, that presale going. So yep, today's the day for that. Pretty pumped up. Today is the day. And to, uh, this week, I am confirmed for spring training March 10th through the 13th. I'm very excited about that. About that. I have not been to spring training Yankees uh, at all in my life. Have you ever been? A long time ago. I used to go down. I've been to Dodgers spring training many times, and we took a, a trip over to Yankees spring training just because I had family in Vero Beach, and that's where Dodger Town was. So, yeah, I've been down there. But I was as a kid. I I actually have not been down there as a as an adult. So I'm excited for it. Definitely going to be a different experience this time. So Scott and I will definitely be down there that weekend. We're going to potentially get a couple more guys from the site to come down. We don't know exactly what we'll be doing at this point. I'm sure we'll be putting it on the website and mentioning it on the podcast. What we'll be doing exactly, I know we want to do a couple of uh, in-person podcasts, which will be the first time we'll ever do that. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, some video content as well will be coming. But it should be good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and if you're going down to spring training, especially during those dates, again, March 10th through the 13th is when Andrew and I will be there, reach out to us. Let us know that you're going to be down there. Shoot, you know, Hit us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever through the site and let us know you know, if you're going to be down there because, I mean, in the evening after games, we're probably going to be going out, getting dinner, maybe some beers. We'd love to meet up with some uh, some fellow Yankee fans and uh, just meet in person and get a little meetup going for, for Yankee fans after the game. So definitely hit us up and let us know if you're going to be down there. Good stuff, good stuff. So today, Monday after the Super Bowl, America as a whole is hungover. I think everybody in the country is feeling it today. I know I am. Uh, so this is the Super Bowl hangover edition of the Bronx Pinstripe Show, along with the Scott Proctor edition. And um, what did you think of the game? What, what, where did you watch it? Do you have friends over? You go over to a buddy's house? What did you do? Yeah, we actually went over to one of my neighbor's house. He had some people over there. So we went. I, I, uh, we, we literally went across the street to his, his place. So it was cool. You know, I, I actually thought the game was pretty, pretty good in the first half. I think a lot of people were, 
were were complaining because it was boring and it was kind of because there wasn't a lot of scoring. But I don't know. There were a lot of turnovers, and I thought it was still ex- an exciting first half because of you know the things that were going on in the field. There weren't touched a lot of touchdowns, but I still thought it was you know relatively exciting. So um, it, was it was a, a sloppy game. game. Definitely a yeah. sloppy game. The Panthers looked like they were a little overmatched by the situation and by the Denver defense. I mean, let's be honest. Credit where credit yeah. is due. Von Miller, absolute beast. He won the MVP. The defense won the playoffs, won the Super Bowl for the Broncos. So No doubt. I did not see that coming. I think we both picked the Panthers. We didn't yes. pick it last week. We did it two weeks ago, right? Well, we picked the Super Bowl last week, too. I don't remember when it was, but we we picked it. I, I, honestly, I thought the Panthers were going to come in there and wax them. Yeah. The the funny thing is, is though, like as the as the week was progressing and it was moving forward, you know, and the uh, when the – I think it started at three and a half, and then the spread got to five and a half. Yep. And when you get to a five and a half, you know you're almost at a touchdown. That's when I start getting scared for the team that's favored, because, you know, the Vegas. If you're if you're playing that, you, you if you could buy points, you buy a couple points, and you take the you take the Broncos. And I don't know the the way that the spread was working. I was I was just leaning more and more towards Denver's defense putting up a, a bigger fight in this game, and that's exactly what happened. I mean. People, whoever bet Denver won big, so. Yeah, Vegas is probably hurting today. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people bet the Carolina Panthers also, and they bet them early. Even when it was a three-and-a-half spread, they bet the Carolina oh, Panthers. Oh, wait, yeah, so you're right. I got that. There was a lot of money yeah. going on Carolina gotcha. early yeah. on, and then I think later when you saw a five-and-a-half spread, yeah. you start seeing more money on Denver. So. Right. P- Vegas made out well. The people, are, the people who gambled are hurting. Yes, uh, and unfortunately, I didn't bet on the game. I should have, but I didn't. I was, uh, I was scared. I, I ran scared of that one. I, I just didn't know. Yeah, it was tough. I once it got to five and a half, I, I was kind of thinking that the Broncos would cover just because they play a lot of ugly games. Right. Thought it would either be the Panthers blow them out or an ugly close game. Still thought the Panthers would win. Cam Newton really didn't show much in that game. And let's be honest, it's kind of a giant pussy for not jumping on that fumble in the fourth quarter. Oh, that was bad. But you know what? It was really exposed to it. And you heard, you know, when he left the podium and, and everybody was, the, you know, they jumped on him. And today, or if you see any of the media outlets uh, Monday, that the reason he left is he could overhear Chris Harris Jr., I think his name is. Chris Harris Jr.'s, uh, he was he was giving an interview and he was basically telling them the the, the game plan and how they beat them, uh, how they beat the Panthers. And, and it was, you could literally hear it. And that's why Kim walked off but they were basically we're loading the box and gonna let him throw and that's how he's gonna beat us and what i thought was really exposed was not as much cam newton i mean he did not have a good game but those receivers were absolutely exposed there oh yeah you could totally see that they were just kind of playing with house money the entire season and they they played to the the name on their back last night ted ginn dropped a couple passes they really are missing a legit wide receiver which they have one kelvin benjamin so you know, if he was healthy, maybe it would have gone a little bit different, but obviously he's not. But yeah, they were exposed. The receivers were exposed. I thought Cam would run a little bit more. Maybe the Denver defense, you know, kind of prevented him from doing that. But um, I was yeah, not... I didn't, think they, I didn't think they were going to get to him as as well as they did Brady, and they got to him just as well. I mean, he was he was on the ground a lot. I think he got sacked seven times. Was it maybe more than that? But he was he was hit a lot, and you know that. Was it Von Miller who ripped the ball out from? Yeah, how do you not jump on that ball? It's it, season on the line. Oh, what about? I'm talking about the first one. That was just he just oh, ripped it out of his. He did, yeah. The touchdown for yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, but it wasn't the, Von Miller. That was the other kid, the '94 kid. But he was, yeah. That was that was pretty beast mode. He, uh, I don't know why he didn't jump on that ball. He definitely pulled back. Yeah, if I'm, if I don't I, know if he was expecting a bounce or what. But no, if I'm in that Panthers locker room, I'm looking at him differently now. Yeah, but. Uh, what do you think of the halftime show? Bruno Mars, Beyonce, and Coldplay. A, the, a giant trio of superstars. This is weird, man. The, first of all, Coldplay is just... I, I don't understand that move in the first place. It's just its just so not exciting at all. Right. You got and 15 then, minutes. Don't don't throw Coldplay up there for five of it. And then they had to throw in... I, I, I were the Was Bruno Mars and Beyonce late additions? Or did they announce that in the beginning? Because yeah, I feel it was like, after Coldplay. Well, yeah. They offered, but they announced it afterwards, right? So they originally offered it to Bruno Mars. Bruno did it a couple years ago, and he was electric. Bruno is – I don't know what your opinion on Bruno Mars is, but I think he's amazing. I saw him in concert in Vegas, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. 
No, dude's a showman. He just needs to not stand next to anybody who's taller than him because it makes <laughs> well, yeah, he, looks, he gets like, exposed. He's like five <laughs> two, all of five two, and yeah, he really gets exposed yeah. standing next to anybody else. But it, the the halftime show, yeah, they they added they added Bruno and Beyonce because they were like, I don't know if Coldplay is going to cut it, which they probably wouldn't have. It kind of looked like an Olympics opening ceremonies with all these colors and lights and everything. The whole thing was just a little off to me. They were, I think what they were trying to go for was 50th, 50th Super Bowl. We're going to honor, you know, the, the celebration of it all. And it kind of just came off as a cluster. It was really funny because in the beginning when they started, or, you know, it wasn't the very beginning of it. It was, I don't know, halfway through the performance when they started showing all of the, the past people who had performed, you know, we didn't, my wife did not realize that they were doing that. And she saw <laughs> Springsteen, come yep, on. We did the and same thing. And she screamed. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God, it's Bruce. <laughs> and then and then they start shutting, uh, cutting to everybody else. And she got bright red because she had such like a little fangirl moment right there. It was hilarious. No, we did this. People at my house, I had people over my house. They did the same thing. As soon as they, they showed uh, Springsteen doing the slide, everyone was like, the boss. And then they kept yeah. showing more people. And, you know, they were showing Michael Jackson and everybody else. And like, oh, wait a minute. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Not- she definitely, she definitely thought it was like a, a cameo and, and Springsteen was going to be there. So that was pretty funny. Yeah, that would have been epic. Yeah, it would have been good. But no, I mean, yeah, Bruno Mars made it better. Beyonce made it better just because it's entertaining. Coldplay was not good and should never be on a big stage like that. It's just just not a Super Bowl, man. I like Coldplay. You know, and I, it was not for Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. And after the game, Peyton thanked all of his sponsors, including Budweiser and Papa John's and Nationwide Insurance and everybody else. For uh, for the victory, um, I, I think did not he dropped... know he was a Budweiser guy until Budweiser was dropped fifteen times. Yeah, I think he dropped the Budweiser line three times. He, yeah. he, he's like, it's like when your dad comes up with a really good joke and then he just tells all of your friends, like, "Oh, did you hear this one? Did you hear this one?" He had to yeah. slip it in uh, with the interview with Jim Nance and then on the podium afterwards. So. It was the exact same speech. Yeah, yeah. it was the exact yeah. same thing. And he gave Papa John's a nice kiss on the cheek. How the hell is Papa John on the field? You know how much money Papa John gives the NFL? He gives them a ridiculous amount of money. The, the least they can give him are sideline passes. And no one in America is sick of this, like, Peyton Manning show like that. How does that not rub people the wrong way? I think it did rub people the wrong way. I just, they're like, eh. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. It's Peyton Manning. So he's he's got he's got so much, you know, built-in built in, uh, stock from people's eyes that it's just, I think they kind of look away at that point. It's got to be his last game, right? No doubt. You got to go out like that. John Elway, same exact way to go out. It's perfect. Yeah. I was surprised he didn't announce the retirement last night. I I'm not surprised he didn't do that. I mean, he doesn't seem like the guy that would do that would say that at the at the show and then make it about him. So Really? Like, oh, my retirement is sponsored by Budweiser. That would have been good. There were 5 to 1 odds that he was going to say it though. I was looking at some of the teasers or some of the uh you know, some of the other bets that they have, you know, where the coin toss or if there's going to be a uh, you know, Beyonce is going to show a nipple or anything like that. This was this was five to one. They did not show the Janet Jackson, uh, Justin Timberlake show on the montage. Unfortunately, I wonder why. Do you think Eli has closed his jaw yet? I just can't handle looking at his <laughs> stupid faces. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a Giants fan having to look at him all the time. Uh, with that, just bring that dead. grill man just drives me crazy. There's yeah, nothing I, going just, on in there. Stupidest faces. People, I saw on Twitter that people, and I think I might have even tweeted this, that he was pissed because now Peyton also has two, and there goes his bragging rights. He goes back to being the the dumb little brother. But I just think he's brain dead, and he doesn't really have many thoughts going through his head at any point. Yeah, he he gets some pretty classic faces. So it was another one, and he did look like he was disappointed. Oh, man, Peyton's got another one now. Now I got nothing. Next year, Brady will, will get his fifth. Right. He's already on the clock. He's been tweeting about he's doing two days, and he's got a on his watch. He's got a countdown to Super Bowl Fifty One. Good for him. <laughs> All right, you ready to talk some Yankees? Please, please, please. I'm so happy the Super Bowl is over. Yeah, it means uh, time for baseball. It's right around the corner. Spring is in the air. All right. So I did a blog earlier or last week about Cashman's biggest regret. So he was interviewed by MLB.com. They asked him what his biggest regret as Yankees GM was. And I thought that was actually pretty 
it was pretty interesting to hear a GM who's been the GM of a team for, oh, you know, 18 years, I think, officially, right? At this point, uh, talk about what his biggest regret is. And he said it's the Mike Lowell trade in 1999. He traded Mike Lowell to the Marlins for Ed Yarnell, Todd Noel, and Mark Johnson. And if you're saying to yourself, why have Ooh. I never heard of those guys? It's because they all sucked. <laughs> None of them panned out. Um, so that's his biggest regret. Uh, you know, trading away Lowell, who you know has two World Series rings, won a World Series MVP, made four All Star teams, not a Hall of Fame player, but a very very good player for basically uh, no names. Um, you agree? You think that's his most egregious move? You know, I don't know if it's his most egregious move. I think he, after seeing the the success that Mike Lowell had, and just he was just a very steady player at third base, and I think that the Yankees really like those types of guys that just kind of go out there, do their job, and are dependable. He's also kind of one of those, like, you know, he... I never ever had a problem with, with with Lowell, even when he was on the Red Sox. He was he was a guy that I kind of re- I respected because you could tell he was just a hard worker and he grinded it out and he didn't have the most talent in the world, but he was going to put in a lot of work. And I don't know, he just seems like a, a pro. And I think that type of guy is exactly what Cashman likes. And they they did give him up for all these guys, these three guys that didn't pan out. So I, I can see where Cashman's coming, you know, where where he uh, where he is on that one. But there are some other big ones. I know you, you mentioned in the notes uh, for the show, Keigawa is one that sticks out <laughs> to me. That was just he was the guy that was that was coming over. He got you know they had a, the, the posting fee. They paid a lot of money for him, and he was just awful. He just never worked out. He barely got into the major leagues. He was terrible in the minor leagues. I mean, the, the dude was just a, a nothing like we expected. So do you? I'd, remember, I'd have to put that one up there. <clears throat> Keigawa came up. I. I this I think I'm gonna say this was 2000. It was either 2007 or 2008. He was called up to the majors to make a start in Detroit because someone got injured. He didn't get out of the first inning, and he gave up four consecutive line drives that all almost took his head off. And that is when I was like, "What the hell did Cashman or any of the Yankee scouts see in this guy? How could you possibly think a guy?" who's throwing 86-mile-an-hour meatballs over the heart of the plate, could be a major league pitcher. And he got, like, $48 million. He got a lot of money. And you're right. He couldn't touch 90 miles an hour. I mean, no. not with a 10-foot pole. It was embarrassing. I'm like, this is the guy? What is is his arm hurt? What's wrong with Dude, him? Like, Danny, why is he Almonte, Danny Almonte in the Little League World Series was throwing harder than this guy. Yeah, so, I, you know, they had him as a crafty lefty that – I, the scouting report had to say 91, 92. I guarantee that's what it said. And the guy never touched it. So, yes, he never had anything to, that was worthy of major league stuff. He had location issues. He just never – it was it was bad. It was real bad. But I, I think the number one – the number one mistake that just made everybody so angry for – every time I saw this guy's face, and I think this is why you have a distaste for Nathan Avaldi, is Carl Pavano. Carl Pavano's got to be got to be up there as if not you know one of the top three if not the biggest mistake uh, of Cashman's of Cashman's career. I b- I believe that he would he would definitely fess up to that one. So I agree. Carl Pavano sucked, and I, you can't defend Carl Pavano. But it, they gave him like thirty nine million bucks. It's not like he got a massive massive contract. I mean, that was a pretty good amount of money at that time for for a guy that was supposed to come and contribute. I mean, th- he just never did anything. And I think it wasn't so much the fact that he didn't work out as well, but he, that combined with the ridiculous injuries that he would that he would have. Yeah. Blisters, what was the one? blisters, hangnails, all this stuff. He had something though like his, he had, like pulled a butt muscle or something ridiculous. I forget I forget what it was, but it was something ridiculous and this guy would just every single it seemed like every, whenever we needed him he was hurt and he he just never panned out to to an amount to anything remotely close to what he expected, and he was supposed to be a big part of those teams. So, and he was a he was a douche too. He just yeah he rubbed everybody the wrong way. How so about, it wasn't so much even the just the on on field stuff, but it was off the field and how he handled himself. How about Javi Vasquez number two? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was just playing with. With uh, with house money, trying to get trying to get Javi Vasquez back he, to he number traded, one. He traded away the milkman for Javi Vasquez after the World Series in '09. 
The Milkman was a favorite, a fan favorite. I think the Milkman was on the way out, though, because of the Cano relationship. They were getting rid of him. And they thought, Javi, coming back to the pinstripes, rejuvenate, let's go. No. Yeah, as if people didn't have nightmares enough of Johnny Damon's Grand Slam in 2004. Let's bring back, back Javi Vasquez for another go-around. That didn't work out. Nope. Um, how about re-signing A-Rod in 2007? You know, I think that they were... I don't think he regrets it because I think at the information that they had at that point, if he knows what he knew now, obviously that wouldn't happen. But, you know, I, I have to believe that they had, the information that they had said nothing about all, all of, the, uh, all of the, the drug use after that and, and when it was happening. So I don't think he regrets the decision at the time. And I also think that was a more of a Steinbrenner decision than a Cashman decision. Yeah, I'd say a lot of these moves – you know, while Steinbrenner was still around, he had a great deal of influence on these on Cashman at that time. So, you know, I, I think the the post Steinbrenner era is more when we can really see what Cashman is doing because I think I think he does have a lot more control now than he ever did. One that I that I really liked, somebody I think commented this on Facebook was getting Randy Johnson a year too late. So after the 03 season, they had Clemens, Pettit, and David Wells all walk. Their rotation was absolutely decimated. Pretty much the only buddy they had left was uh, Mike Messina. And they brought in A-Rod in 04, so that was the big splash. Everybody thought the Yankees were going to be better because they had A-Rod. But everyone just forgot the fact that they lost three starting pitchers who were all very, very good for them. So not getting another starting pitcher in 2004, I think, is one of Cashman's biggest mistakes. Yeah, and Randy Johnson had a really good year that year, if I remember correctly, right? Before, he was still dominant for the Diamondbacks. I think he threw, I remember him throwing a no-hitter in Atlanta. And I think, you know, you add one more, one more big guy like that, one more stud that, I mean, that makes a a very big difference in the way that the season can pan out too. So, you know, I I think every year Cashman's going to look up and down the roster and have regrets and, and do things differently. But I mean, at the same time, there are also things that like, you know, there are moves that nobody expected to do well that did do well. Yep. And, and you know, on the, on the other side of the coin where Cashman's taken just a, someone else's garbage and turned it into Yankee treasure. I mean, you know, the McCarthy deal is one that I think of. You know, just honestly, like the, the, the post – I know the Yankees didn't sign a free agent this year. But I thought this was one of Cashman's best off-seasons in – the way he got creative by making the team better and and younger and I, I think he really I think we're gonna look back on this this off season and 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 really look at Cashman and what he did when we see how these guys pan out because I really think they're gonna they're gonna prove to be a, a, a number of solid players that came out of this uh, off season yeah Cashman gets a bad rap from from a lot of Yankee fans and I think it's unfair. I don't think he's the best GM in baseball. I'm not saying that. But he's very good. And he has I know he has unlimited resources, but that's also can be a, a, a curse at times because there is some pressure from fans and ownership to just spend the money. Go go fix the team. It worked in two thousand nine when they signed CC and Teixeira and Burnett. It didn't work two years ago when they went out and signed Ellsbury, McCann, and Beltron. So, right. you know, he has had very good moves and he has had some bad ones the one thing i always appreciate about cashman is he's honest he'll tell you and uh i i think that's that's rare in professional sports yeah and i really do think this year is going to be one that is going to be one of his best and yankee fans are going to look back i'd say in three years two three years we look back at what he did this offseason and even going into last offseason with like with the evaldi move like those are those are little those are smaller moves that are very possibly going to pay very big dividends for the new york yankees and they're not moves that that every gm makes i mean he's that's the the one thing that he's very good at is being creative and and turning you know, just flipping players for for you know, striking when the iron's hot. You know, you, we saw that with the Cubs this year and what he did. I mean, to me, that was a genius move. And there aren't many guys that one hold out for for you know when they were looking for Gardner and he him just start and say no, and then them coming back to saying, hey, well, we got nobody else. This is what we want, and he got exactly what he what he asked for. So. You know, I think that uh, I think that he had a really good offseason, and I'm looking forward to see how these guys pay dividends. And finally, we have some young guys to look forward to. And that's, Absolutely. That's also to Cashman's credit. 
Yes, I think so. Um, speaking of a young guy, uh, we talked about Bird last week and his injury, but one thing that we forgot to mention was the fact that he will be going on the major league disabled list since he was a major league player last year. Even though the Yankees said he's going to start the season in AAA, he does go on the major league um, disabled list, which is good for Bird and bad for the Yankees. It's good for Bird for a couple reasons. One, he gets a major league salary. And two, he also gets major league service time. And that's bad for the Yankees because then his free agency is going to come a year early. Or they get a, a one less year of him playing until he becomes a free agent. But, you know, that's just how the rules are, which I, I guess is set up for the player. But um, I, we forgot to mention that last week. And that's a pretty big move, especially if you look at the way that the Yankees are, you know, tailoring their future and he's a big part of it and now he's not going to be this he's basically going to be set back a year because he's not going to have while he'll have the service time he won't have the experience right. of being in the major leagues for a year and that's definitely a bad thing for the new york yankees so yeah and and then obviously if he if he is to be a yankee long term and he is the first baseman of the future that contract's going to come a year early for for us so you know it's definitely uh Definitely big ramifications for for him as far as the contract status as well. And last episode, we were looking for it during the show. I couldn't find it if he did spend any time on the DL for that shoulder in May, and he did. We found he spent time on the seven-day disabled list, which I guess just sounds like he was a little banged up, and then he came back. Nothing serious. Yeah, again... Even though he was on the DL, it's a seven-day DL, and, and that's exactly what that leads me to believe too, right? The guy's banged up. He's sore. We're going to see how this, how it, you know, a little bit of rest, you know, treats his, his, uh, his shoulder. And I saw an interview after he came back off of that, off of that seven-day DL, and he felt strong and like he, you know, was, was ready to go. So, and obviously for the rest of the season, he wasn't really hampered. So it's just, it's, it's very strange, you know, something must have happened where he tweaked it or... You know, I don't know if it was just taking batting practice or if he was doing something off the field. I, I, I don't know what happened, but obviously there was some kind of damage there beforehand and it got re-aggravated. Yeah, I hope, I hope a story doesn't come out in a couple months that he was playing basketball or skiing or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Even if he is like a basketball thing, like to me, like that's not that big of a deal. It's, it's, it's just unfortunate. Did you see that the Dodgers signed Howie Kendrick for two years and twenty million bucks? I did. I saw that. That was a, a nice little move for them. It's cheap for Howie Kendrick, don't you think? That's Stephen Drew money. <laughs> yeah, that's, Howie that's... Kendrick is ten <laughs> times the player Stephen Drew is. Oh no doubt. Is he is he thirty years old? He is, Howie Kendrick. He's about uh, he's about thirty. I'd I think say, he's right? over thirty. I think he might be he's like thirty one. Okay. So, I mean, this is a guy who has postseason experience with the Angels. He's, he's a guy who – he's got speed. He's got glove. He gets on base. Um, he could be plugged pretty much anywhere in the lineup, you know, top or the bottom. Yeah, he's, he's a good veteran guy to have on the team. So it's a, it's a solid move for them. And I guess he's going to platoon on the Dodgers with Utley. Or Utley's going to – he's still on the team. He's still they're, they're, He signed for another year, I believe. So Not they're sure. going to be going back and forth with him, I guess. Zobris set the second base market at four years, $56 million this offseason. And remember, Zobris is 34 years old. Right. Zobris is definitely a better player than Kendrick, but you would have thought Kendrick would have at least got at least half, right, of that contract, and he didn't even get half. And it didn't seem like there was a lot of interest for him. You know, no, he just signed see, this week. Yeah, and you didn't see his name floated around too much with other teams. So, I, you know, I'm curious as to why that is because I've always – I've always thought highly of, of of Kendrick and just the kind of player he is, and, and yeah, so I'm surprised at why he signed so late and and obviously not for a lot of money. So, you know, that's a I guess a shrewd move by the Dodgers and and waiting it out and kind of realizing the market for him and then locking him up for for that amount of money. So nice little move. Have you ever played the game Would You Rather? <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, all right. So Would You Rather have Starlin Castro and the trade that the Yankees made or have had the Yankees signed Howie Kendrick for two years, 20 million. Give me Castro. I want Castro all day. I want the young kid with the, with the big upside uh, that has a long-term, a long-term position and a long, you know, basically a spot in the roster and the lineup for, for many years for the Yankees. I want, I want that guy. I don't want the plug-in vet. We've done that. We've, we've played that game. I want, I want the Castro. But it would have also we would have retained Adam Warren. 
That's true. I still like the cash remove. I mean, I think when you have an opportunity to lock up a guy who's a three-time All-Star by the time of 25 years old that can play multiple positions in the infield and give you some flexibility in the lineup, you got to go after that guy. I mean, he's 25 years old. This is a kid that's that has a, a bright future that that will be locked up with the New York Yankees for a few more years too. There's 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 uh, what is he locked up through 2020? So he's got he's got a long time uh, under contract with the Yankees and under control. So this is definitely the move, in my opinion. Just out of curiosity, I looked up their stats over the last three years to try to compare the two players. Kendrick is actually a better player offensively over the last three years. His average, his slugging, and his OPS are all higher than Castro's. But the one thing or two things that Castro has going for him is, one, he plays more games, so he's more durable. And two, he has a lot more upside. I think we know what Howie Kendrick is at this point. I think we've seen what Castro can be. In the second half last year, he hit over 340. He's hit 300 in the past. Is he? You know, He's not going to be Cano of five, five years ago, but he could be a very, very good player for the Yankees. And he could be a long-term good player for the Yankees. He's only 25, like you said. Fan favorite. So I'm with you. Give me the young guy. Give me the guy that, that can be on the team for a while and people can rally behind over another potential Stephen Drew situation. Well, and, you know, we're also – we have a, a young shortstop who 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 needs to, you know, build a relationship with another middle infielder. And to me, when you have a shortstop and a second baseman who get a lot of reps together, who play a lot of games together and, and you know, start – start just spending more time together you see a lot better defense up the middle as well and you know now there's an opportunity for Didi and Castro to really just get into a groove together and and you know create this long-term bond that they can up the middle so I I think it's a move that that also helps Didi out as well yeah we've never had this young of a double play combination on the team since we've been really fans at least since I've been a fan no I mean no it's it's you know the you had Cano come up with with Jeter. They were there for a long time, but Jeter was a lot older than Cano. These two guys are are very close in age, um, so you know this is something that's going to be fun and I think special to watch. I agree. Hopefully, hopefully, anyway. The interesting thing too about Castro is that there's an opportunity for him. I mean, we've been we've been hearing about Cashman talking about his flexibility not only in the lineup but in the field, and the fact that he can play third base is just. To me, it is long-term interesting because when you think about what the Yankees have in the minor league system, and you know, we're, I'm sp- specifically talking about uh, Jorge Mateo, who is the number one, the number one prospect coming up. He's a shortstop, but you know, I could absolutely see him being moved to either second base or someone moved away from shortstop and into second base. And you could see the three of these guys playing on the diamond at the same time, you know, in the next two years, and. That could be something special. I, I think the fact that you have Didi and Castro playing together now will give them, you know, just a little bit more flexibility to to change position if they needed to. Especially Castro moving to third, possibly. Wait, so you're telling me that you don't want Chase Headley as the third baseman for the next decade? <laughs> I'm good with him for one more year. Give me one more year. Well, we two got, more years. We got three more years. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to play out that whole contract. Though. I could see them moving him at some point. One guy I would like to see the Yankees take a chance on is Cliff Lee. Um, Cliff Lee, I guess, has been working out and he seems to be healthy. His agent is putting all that news out there. So you got to take that with a grain of salt because they could be blowing smoke up everybody's ass. But the reports are that he wants between six and eight million guaranteed plus incentives. And he wants to be uh, in the perfect situation. Those are his words. I take that to mean he wants to play for a contender. He doesn't want to go play for the Phillies again and, you know, have them end up in last place he wants to play for a team that has a chance to make the playoffs which the Yankees do so I would honestly like the Yankees to take a shot on Cliff Lee I think it could be a very good fit for a couple reasons one it's all upside I know it's six to eight million bucks but it's six to eight million bucks they can afford and it's it. a one-year deal it's, it's a one-year deal they can afford it there's no draft pick tied to it nothing like that it's just it's just straight cash they can they can handle that so straight cash homie yeah it's a that, that that's a high upside uh, move. Also, he and CC Sabathia are friends. They played together in Cleveland. I know the Yankees were trying to use CC to lure Cliff Lee back in 2012. I think it was when he was a free agent. It didn't work out, but but maybe now CC could say, you know, why don't you why don't you come to the Yankees? You know, one one more year, have a go at it with us. That that could work out. And 
Um, it's also close to Philly. I mean, it's an hour and a half up the road. He wouldn't have to really uproot his family and move him across the country. So I think for a lot of reasons, it could be a good fit. You know, you're saying a, a good fit too that that Lee wants, and I'm curious as to also. First of all, he needs to hire. He needs to get a social media guy like A Rod does, so we can see some beach workouts. We can start seeing <laughs> you know, him aerobics. on the golf course. Yeah, we can start seeing. We can actually see him doing this training that his agent's talking about. So I want to. I want some proof. But as far as a good situation, I mean, could that also be like? Obviously, I think being a contender is is going to be a stipulation, no doubt. Why would he want to go to a team that's not? ready to compete at this point in his career. There's just, it doesn't make any sense. He's going to chase the title, absolutely. But also, is it, a, is it a team that has some flexibility in their rotation where they don't have to bring him in in April and May? Mm-hmm. Maybe Cliff Lee is a guy that he, they can, you know, he can continue to rehab, continue to, to throw an extended spring training, and have the flexibility where he comes back in maybe June, July, and is able to you know, just play half the season and and finish finish strong you know a, a situation like that I mean, that to me is interesting and honestly i think that's what the yankees could do they could they could be in a situation where they actually could do something like that and no one's going to give him a guaranteed ro- uh rotation spot so he's not going to find that somewhere because no one knows what he can actually do he needs to prove it so right. so so if he's expecting a contender to give him a guaranteed rotation spot he's out of his mind right so so I really think that could be an interesting option. Uh, he's more of a name at this point than anything else. But um, it, it's another option that, that, that frankly, I think their rotation is going to need. It's a, similar, it's a similar answer, uh, option to Lincecum, in my opinion. I think, you know, I, because I just don't know what Cliff Lee – how old is Cliff Lee these days? <laughs> I mean, he, he's 30 going on – or 34 going on 54. It's like yeah, he's, so he's old. He's, he's pushing the age limits too, and you just – you have no idea what to expect. Lincecum at least has had a little bit of success in the past. You know, he he showed out of the bullpen what last year. I mean, he did pretty decent. I mean, he had some good uh, some good outings. So this is before the surgery. Before he, he's coming off of hip surgery. So these are two guys that are that are names. They're former Cy Young winners that that we just don't know what's in the tank. And while they can be. They can be, you know, invited to a spring training or incentive-laden deals. Who knows? But like you said, Cliff Lee's looking for some guaranteed money as well. I don't think Lincecum is looking for that much guaranteed money. But you'd rather have Lincecum than Lee? I don't know. I, I, I'd take either one of them as a, as a gamble. I guess Cliff Lee, just if you're looking at career, has a little bit more upside and would fit Yankee Stadium a little bit better. Yeah, I- and uh, I think he, we've seen him handle high-pressure situations. You know, everyone has that nightmare image of him catching a ball, not looking at his glove in the World Series. So, so we know he can handle big spots. He's kind of a dick, though. <laughs> Why? Because I don't know the because he turned that, us down. Yeah, and and the, some of the reactions he did, he has in in Philly. I don't know. He just comes oh, across. You're, acting, you're like a, a chick. It's like you you, you want to go after the you hate the guy that doesn't turn that turns you down. No, it wasn't that. I, I just didn't like his his demeanor, like some of the on field stuff, and like I don't know. He just kind of rubbed me the wrong way the way that he acts. I think he's a gamer. I think he's kind of a prick. I think he's just he's a he's definitely a guy that that is a he flies solo. He's not really a big team clubhouse guy either. I think he's he's one of those guys who gets his own locker away from everybody else, leaves immediately. You're just pulls just, this stuff on your ass. He's kind of one of those guys. You have no basis to to be making these claims. Oh, I I, I can read people very well, and I, I guarantee he's one of those. Oh, guys. you're just a good judge of character. Extremely good, extremely good judge of character. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe maybe he is a dick. I don't know. CC seems to like him, and CC's not a dick. That's true, but there's also another aspect of that. Maybe he's an old drinking buddy. Maybe we do not want him in the locker room. Maybe this will bring back days of Cleveland when they were out boozing all the time. Maybe he's not a good influence. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Um, all right, so did you, uh, did you see about these guys that defected from Cuba? I'm going to butcher their names, so hold on. Bear with me. <laughs> Uleski Gorelli. And Loretis Gorel, or they're Gorel. They're, brothers, they're both so Gorel. So I said their last name differently, <laughs> but they both have the same last name. They're brothers from Cuba, both infielders. Um, uh, Lourdes, I think is how you say it, is the younger one. He plays shortstop. And Uleski is a third baseman. He's a little bit older. He's 32 years old. Um, but they defected from Cuba late Sunday night uh, while their team was in the Dominican. So they escaped from the hotel. 
obviously they plan on coming here to the U.S. and eventually playing Major League Baseball. Run! Run! This run, is, Forrest, this, run! It's, it's so interesting hearing about these defecting, the, the guys who defect and the stories and how they do it. It's, uh, you know, the, they had the 30 and 30 for El Duque and that his brother. Awesome. It was ridiculous. I, I didn't realize the whole story, but it's really an unbelievable story. And then the whole Yasiel Puig story is just unbelievable. It's a, it's a movie. Yeah, like, that's got to be made to needs a movie. To be movie. So the, I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing the story behind how they got out of there as well. I'm sure there's more to it. Some but, hotel employees smuggled them out in the dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I know you have a little bit of a scouting report on these guys. One of them, to me, the, the younger brother is 22 to shortstop. It's going to cost too much, and I don't think the Yankees would, would look at him, especially considering the depth that we have up the middle in the minor league system. So today I was hungover, and it's snowing here in Boston, so I stayed home from work. So I, had, I did a lot of reading on these guys today because, frankly, I just find the whole thing fascinating, the whole defecting from Cuba. So Uleski was ranked as the number one player in Cuba in 2015, and he's a third baseman. They compared him to uh, David Wright or Hanley Ramirez at the plate. So, you know, 20 to 30 home run guys, gap hitters, hit a lot of doubles, contact guys, they're gonna. They're not gonna strike out a ton. Um, I mean, that obviously gets you excited because I think both both of those players are were in their prime, very very good. Um, Hanley, I think, is a bad influence on, on teams, but his talent was there. Um, so he was ranked uh, number one in 2015, and he did an interview in April, and they asked him if you were to ever play in the major leagues. Where would you want to play? And he said he would like to play for the Yankees because his favorite player has always been Alex Rodriguez. So that obviously piqued my interest. And he's a third baseman. He's 31 years old, going to be 32 in June. He's going to cost somewhere in the $50 million, I would guess, because he's still got a couple good years left in him. He's not going to get you know, $70 million because he is a little bit older, but he is going to cost you something. I don't expect the Yankees to go after him. But it's interesting to hear him say he'd like to play for the Yankees and A-Rod is the guy he looks up to. Yeah, I just don't see a roster spot for him at this point if there's a guy that they're going to... So he defected on Sunday night. So yeah. so that means he's now... I mean, when you, I'm, I'm always curious if these no, guys so, that, that defect. Do they already have deals like uh, like handshakes that are already happening with a, with a team? If they, no, no. So if they did, that hasn't come out yet. But what needs to happen is they need to establish residency in the United States before they can be eligible for major league free agency. Okay, and how long does that how long does that take? A few months. Okay, so I mean, so this is this is a guy that would be that would be ready to join a major league club maybe the second month of the season, third, you know, in June. Maybe. Well, yeah, he he would probably spend some time in the minors, but he is yeah. thirty two years old. He's been playing in the Cuban league since he was seventeen. I don't think he's going to need a ton of time. Right. He also but just to get a, just to get acclimated, I mean, he's gonna. Oh, he'll definitely. probably be a second half guy. Yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna uh, he played in Japan for a full season, so he he has not only experienced seventeen years in the or uh, tons of years in the Cuban League, but he's played in Japan, which is also very competitive. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I know nothing about this guy. I'd have to look more. No, about I don't know him, anything but, about him either. But I mean, the the scouting comparisons. I mean, hell yeah! Why would I not want a guy that that's David David Wright in his primer or a Hanley Ramirez at the plate? I mean, that's a guy that can help your club immediately if it, if it actually um, you know translates. And we've seen these Cuban guys come in and rake. I mean, they they can play ball and they can hit a baseball. It doesn't matter where it's coming from or you know who's throwing it or what league they're in. They can hit they can hit baseballs. Yep. And. Um, so I mean, if you remember, the Cuban team would win the Olympics like every year. They'd always, they they're always uh, they play a very high quality baseball in Cuba. So it's not like coming over from you know a, a country that doesn't play high quality baseball. So this is a guy that would probably be able to contribute immediately with given his age. So I mean, it's interesting. I just don't think you know with the with the with the Chase Headley move or the Chase Headley contract, there's just not really no, a spot. I don't think there's a spot on the Yankees either, but. Uh, his brother, uh, Lourdes, shortstop, 22 years old. He's more raw because he doesn't have as much experience. Um, I don't know if he's as talented as his older brother, but he is still obviously very talented. Like you said, he's going to get a longer-term deal, and I, don't, I just don't think the Yankees are – they've got enough infielders. I you remember we talked to Pinstripe Prospect, and we, we've got like a 1,000 infielders that are not you know all going to make it to the major leagues, but as far as depth goes in the minor leagues, middle infielders, the Yankees are pretty set. But I tell you what, 
the 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 allure of having the allure. I don't know if it's the allure. I guess it is in my eyes. But having a Cuban defector is kind of cool. I kind of want a Cuban defector on the Yankees. The last one we had Contreras, right? Was he our last defector? Yes, that so didn't work an- out well. Give me another one. El- no one will ever top El Duque. El Duque was just. El Duque was unbelievable. He's actually one of my all-time favorite Yankees. My all-time favorite pitcher to watch pitch. I think he was a wizard out there. He was so much fun to watch. I wrote a blog about 10 things I'll always remember about the 90s Yankees, and one of the things I'll always remember is El Duque's leg kick. Okay. I, I thought you were going to say the Ephus pitch. But, yeah, they, they, <sighs> that the way that the <laughs> that thing just landed. Amazing. That thing just landed yesterday. Oh, my God. I can still picture it. It's awesome. Yes, and the leg kick. He, the, guy, the guy was just so good at manip- manipulating the ball in the strike zone. He was so good. Changing eye levels. He was, just re- he, was, he was a pitcher's pitcher. He was really fun to watch. And he's doing – I actually just saw a video. I'm friends with some guys on Facebook that went to that, uh, the, the Yankees fantasy camp in Tampa and he's actually one of the guest instructors and he was giving like a whole speech to the locker room it was pretty cool but he's still involved with the Yankees and he does that fantasy camp down in uh, Tampa and I'm sure he'll be in spring training as well hmm, maybe we'll get so to talk we, to him yeah let's look for, let's look him up do you speak Spanish I can, I can communicate a little bit there you go <laughs> I have last a Spanish week, dictionary last week we teased that we're going to be previewing the Royals and the Tigers so you ready to do that yeah let's do it all right, so the Royals, uh, if you did not know, they won the World Series last year. They beat the Mets. Did you know that? I did know that. I saw a little bit of that, saw a couple clips, saw that happening. Yes. So two years ago, they lost in seven games to the Giants. Heartbreaking. They, they had the winning run on third base, or the tying run on third base um, in, in game seven of the World Series. To lose that way and get your guts ripped out is heartbreaking. But they... They came out with fire. They Their goal was to win the World Series in 2015, and they did it. A question I have with them now is, are they going to play with that same fire and passion now that they won? I think that's a legitimate concern with this team. I don't know. I don't really buy into that because I think the way that these guys are positioned and the way that they're structured as a, as a team, they're all – they all kind of – a lot of them came up together and – I think these guys kind of motivate each other and they really want to be – you could tell that these guys want to be great. They want to be you know, mentioned among some of the great teams and some of the great teammates of all time. I, I just – I get that feeling from Perez and Hosmer and these guys and, and the fact that Gordon stayed. Like I think these guys are, are there to win and I, I don't think they're going to – I don't think anything's going to suffer. I think these guys are for real. Do you know the last team to repeat as champions in baseball? Name that team. Yankees. Nice. So it's not easy to do. There are there is a hangover. I think it's a real thing where you don't you don't play as well the, the following year after winning. I mean, look at the Giants. Right. The Giants have won it three times and they've missed the playoffs the next year every time. But they also have lost people. I mean, the we're, I know we're going to talk. We're going to break down this this team. But in all honesty, a lot of the. A lot of what the the Royals did this offseason was was pretty good. I think they've they've really kept the majority of their of their of their team together. So I, I don't think they're really going to miss too much of a beat. Well, okay, so let's let's let you just said let's, let's get into break it. it down. Yeah, so major acquisitions or players retained. Alex Gordon, I think that was a great move by them. They got him for very reasonable money. I think it was seventy million over four years. Alex Gordon is the Kansas City Royals. I'm not saying he's the reason they won, but he's a he's a Royal. That guy needs yes. to be a Royal for his whole career. Great move right. keeping him. They also brought in Ian Kennedy for like five thousand a bazillion dollars. A bazillion dollars more than he deserves. But hey, they replaced Ian Kennedy, uh, or they replaced Johnny Cueto essentially with Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy. That's Ian, Ian Kennedy. Is Ian Kennedy. <laughs> That's not exactly a one for one comparison. So I think they're taking a step down there. Yeah, I'd say it's a little step down. Um, Cueto was not that good during the regular season, but he did step up in some big games in the postseason. So this is this is a situation that I think for the Kansas City Royals is evolving. They're going to see what they got with Kennedy. Obviously, they gave him a boatload of money, so they believe in his ability. But you know, this doesn't mean that they they can't make a, a, another move at some point. But honestly, like going into the season with the way that they have their their offense and their position players. They've they've really I think done a, a very nice job in keeping that core together. They also lost Ben Zobrist to the Cubs, and I think Ben Zobrist hit a double every time he came up in the playoffs. So that's a huge loss for them. 
and they lost Franklin Morales out of the bullpen, and their bullpen, which I still think will be a strength of theirs, did take a little bit of a hit there. Uh, and I was looking at their transaction list, and I saw they signed Chin Ming Wong to a minor league deal. Not that he'll actually contribute, but he's still he's still but pitching. Notable. He's Very still notable. pitching. Did you know he's still pitching? Yeah, I've seen him get floated around. I think he, I think he was with the Nationals for a minute last year. Uh, so yeah, I've definitely seen him. In minor, I haven't seen a pitch, but he's in the minor leagues. He's just an interesting name. Poor Wong. Poor, poor Chim. Yeah, every time, I feel bad every time I, I hear his name now because what could have been about the stupid National League rules where he's got to run around the bases and hurt his foot? He was he was turning into a, a very dependable frontline pitcher for the Yankees in a time when we needed one. Yeah. So strengths of the Royals, definitely their back end of the bullpen, Wade Davis, Kelvin Herrera, Luke Hochaver, and I think they resigned or they brought in Soria, who bounced around last year. So I think their bullpen will still be excellent, second only to the Yankees, with you know the big three the Yankees have. And also young players who have played together for a while, like you said, Lorenzo Kane, Perez, Hosmer, keeping Alex Gordon. Those guys gel. They know how to play together, so so that's definitely a strength of theirs as well. Uh, but there is, I think, a glaring weakness in their starting rotation. Who would you consider their ace? Uh, I guess it's. See, I think it's going to be it's going to turn into Ventura. I think Ventura is going to be their number one starter as the season progresses. I, I, I he's a young guy that's been developing. He's got definitely number one stuff, and I, I think he's the guy that they're expecting to take the next step. That very well could be, but I honestly think Edison Volquez might make their first, that might their opening day start next year. Yeah, that's possible. He's just he's way too sporadic and inconsistent to be a a frontline guy. I mean, he he walks too many damn guys for that for that to to be a dependable number one starter. And so you surround Ventura, who has who is a question mark, Edison Volquez, who's a big question mark, with Ian Kennedy, Danny Duffy, and Chris Young. And that's your five-man rotation right now as it stands for the Royals. That's not scaring anybody. Right. So I think they're going to need to do something at the deadline. I, I still think they'll be a contender because I think they're a great team. But I think they're going to need to do something between now and the end of the season to add to that rotation if they seriously want to contend for another championship. And I think that's something that they could do as well because – I mean, these guys These guys went through the first half of last year with pretty much what we're looking at, right? And they didn't have, they didn't have any, any flashy names. They, they have what we're looking at, and they didn't have Cueto at that point, and they still played well. Obviously, the additions of Cueto and Zobrist gave them a spike, but Cueto had some very bad starts in the, in the regular season. He really did not help that team very much in the regular season. Totally. We saw... We saw a couple things in, you know, in the postseason, but he was not a, a big contributor to them down the stretch. Um, Zobris was. Zobris is a guy that obviously in the, he, I think he just gelled immediately with that team. He's the type of guy they could plug in and was just a very good fit. And, and you know, who's to say who's going to be available at the, the trade deadline? But we've seen in the past that they've been aggressive when they've, when they've seen guys that they like that can fit the team. Um, but the guys that they have currently are, are guys that they, they know they have a good core and they believe that they can ride those guys. So, yeah, I think they're going to be very good. I, think, I, I definitely think they're going to be very good. I just think based on, on paper, which I know you can't judge a team on, I think they're going to take a, a little bit of a step back. And, and one of the reasons they're going to take a step back is because I think the Tigers, who are also going to preview, are going to take a step forward. Right. Um, so they're not going to be able to run away with the AL Central. Um, the Tigers vastly underachieved, underachieved last year. They went 74-87. and 87. They finished, I think, fifth in the division, uh, fourth or fifth in their division. And they were supposed to be a contender. They started the season with David Price and Yoannis Suspedes on their team. They were expected to make the playoffs, and they didn't. They didn't even come close. So they ended up trading both of those guys at the deadline, pretty much selling. Dave Dombrowski left the team. He went to the Red Sox. So they totally you know, had a... a total you know meltdown makeover in the middle of the season yeah and they sold i mean they became sellers and, right. and i think towards the end of the season you they, everybody in that clubhouse felt they knew what was happening with that team and you know you just don't get your guys best at that point i think and and you're you're you get guys like cabrera where if he's got a little bit of a bang up you know they're going to arrest him and you know he probably got a lot more rest on the stretch than he normally would have so you're you're seeing a lot of different things that i think went into that final record but yeah before the deadline or at the deadline, they made the decision to sell, and 
you know, because they didn't believe they had a team that was going to overcome, uh, overtake the Royals. So, but I, I agree. They, they, from the beginning of the season up until the trade deadline, they, they very much underachieved. But they really retooled, I think, a lot, uh, a lot of time for for this coming year, and I think they're definitely a team to watch out for. Yep, they got Jordan Zimmerman. They kicked off the free agent spending, if you remember, with Jordan Zimmerman. Yep, very solid contract there. They got Justin Upton recently, uh, also big money, and they got Justin Wilson from the Yankees in a trade. So those are their three major acquisitions. Um, it is interesting, though, if you if you think, okay, they. Lost David Price. They had David Price at the start of the season last year. They don't have him anymore, so they bring in Zimmerman. They had Cespedes beginning of last year. They don't have him anymore, so they brought in Upton. I wouldn't even consider those one for one trade offs. Would you? I'd say Upton for Cespedes is is pretty close. Yeah, but uh, Zimmer- Zimmerman. You're, for you're Price definitely taking one. No, no, no. You're definitely Zimmerman's not David Price. Uh, he's a he's still a number. I mean, I'd 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 probably if he was on. A, if he was out on a on a, ro- a roster that had a, like a bona fide number one, he's a solid number two. I don't think he's a, a bona fide number one at least at this point in his career. But he's definitely a a, a solid acquisition. And um, so what you're saying is you think that they kind of they're they're kind of one for one where they were first half of the last year. What I'm saying is they didn't. The retooling is only going to work if their other guys have. You know, if Miguel, Miguel Cabrera needs to stay healthy, right. Justin Verlander needs to not suck anymore. I mean, the, those, well, that was a big thing for last year was Verlander. I think they, you know, they expected him to bounce back, and he did not. Right. So we're we have no idea what to expect from him. His arm might be dead. Kate Upton ruined his life. It's true. The Kate Upton experience, right there. So unless those unless other things break their way, I I think that they they could still be in some trouble. But um, so they didn't really have any losses because they retooled. They brought in those guys. Um. Strengths, they're going to have a nasty offense if, if they're healthy. They've got the middle of their order is going to be Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, Justin Upton, and J.D. Martinez, who hit 38 home runs last year. That that middle of the order. Very quiet 38 home runs. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be very surprised when they see that name and that those numbers. And that's in a giant ballpark. So right. though, though, those four guys in the middle of the order is definitely scary. Yeah, and you know – there's no doubt that that offense has a lot more firepower than what they showed last year. And if Miguel Cabrera is healthy, we know what he is. I mean, the guy's a, a, a triple crown, a triple crown winner. The, the guy's one of the the best uh, baseball better baseball hitters of all time. I mean, if he's healthy, he completely changes the 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 lineup, everybody around him, and can affect the game in in many ways. So. You know, I think a lot of it's coming down to the health of these guys. They are another year older. And you and I were having a conversation before we started recording. But, you know, to me, it seems like Miguel Cabrera has been up forever. I mean, he's, yeah. he came up when, when he was, what, 19 years old with the with the Marlins? So, 03. He was in that 03 World Series. Yeah. So he's, what, 32-33. But he's an old 32-33, in my opinion. Definitely. He's a guy who's gotten a lot, has a lot of time a lot of major league time under his belt and that's a grind you know that's a from from that age and you're starting to see the the body start to fail him and he's yeah. not any he's not any smaller or lighter than he was either i mean he's a, he's a big boy what you're saying he's he's got some city miles on him he's a little yeah oh yeah <laughs> no doubt so it's not a lock for him to stay healthy and it's definitely not a lock for victor martinez to stay healthy Right. One thing about their team, though, is they, they've got Victor Martinez locked in as DH. And we've seen how that can be an issue when you've got to get guys rest is then you have to pull guys out of your lineup and you suffer a little bit there. So I think they're going to lack a little bit of versatility um, for, for an older team. Yeah, I think Martinez can play a little bit of first base, too. So you'll probably see him and Cabrera, uh, you know, go back and forth. Uh, you know, possibly with a DH and first base. I don't know how much Martinez is playing first base anymore, but that's that's something that they could probably look at as far as uh, getting rest in DH time. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, these are two guys that are that are entering the 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 downslope of their career if if we're looking at their age and and just what happens usually when you start to get to 34, 35 years old and post steroid era and. You know, it's another year under the belt, so we're gonna have to see how their health. I think, how, I think their health, they're they're very similar to the Yankees in the sense that their the offense really is contingent on the health. Definitely, and 
Their bullpen, I, I think, is a weakness of theirs, even though they brought in Wilson. I mean, they're going to be counting on him to be definitely like an eighth inning guy, maybe even a closer. Um, so I, I have big question marks about their bullpen. And as we said, other than Zimmerman, I think they have a lot of question marks, including Verlander. So um, while I think they'll be better, I, I think that they still uh, have a lot of questions. Yeah. Next week, you want to do the Twins and the Indians? How's that sound? Sounds good. Can't wait to talk about Phil Hughes. <laughs> he did have he did have a good tweet recently though about A Rod. Yep. Yeah, he called him Bay. He made the the Yankee the Yankees actually retweeted him. Oh, did well, they? Yeah, they did. A little love, a little love there from a, for the former player. God, that blew up, huh? At the end, Phil Hughes and Yankee fans. Yeah, too many home runs, man. Too many home runs. <clears throat> All right, so next week we'll be doing the Twins and the Indians. Definitely looking forward to that. Before we get out of here, do you have any last words? Just check out the Fan Shop. When you're listening to this, go to the Fan Shop on our website. Go to bronxpinstripes.com. You'll see a link at the very top for the Fan Shop. Check it out. The pre-sale for Meeting at the Bat starts as soon as this podcast is listened to. So it's on right now. Go check it out. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting those shirts out to you guys and getting your reactions to them. So definitely check it out. And uh, looking forward to the week. Baseball is here, baby. Everybody, tweet us questions. Comment on Facebook. Send mailbags in. Call the voicemail line because spring training is just around the corner. There's going to be a lot of questions. So we definitely want to get mailbags going strong. All right. Have a good week, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.